0: I'm really excited about this. God really gave me, I think, a, a good word for this morning. And It's so funny how God sometimes will, will work and, and move and that um, he'll give Matt certain songs that he wants Matt to sing, and then he'll give me a message, and Matt and I won't talk at all, and then all of a sudden we realize God's on the move, right? Because they, they match up, and there's, there's common themes and common things that God is trying to say and do throughout that. And so uh, this morning I'm really excited uh, uh, to share this message with you. But, but before I jump into it, um, I, have, I have a confession that I need to make. Um, I've known most of you for, for many years. Um, I've been on staff for almost three years, and uh, many of you know uh, my family. You know my four children, uh, my wife. We've been married almost um, 12, well, no, 12, almost 12 and a half years. It'll be 13 soon. Um, she's not here. It's okay. Um, so uh, don't tell her, okay? Um, so I didn't forget. I just had the math wrong. Um, so, so, but anyway, most of you know me a little bit. But there's something that I've I've kept hidden from many of you for a long time. And, and today, I, I think it's time that I come clean. And uh, I, I think you should know that I'm I'm what you might call a a Macaholic. And uh, some of you Windows fans are mourning for me. Um, some of you are Linux fans, and I don't understand you at all. Um, but, but I am, so it feels good to get that off my chest, actually. And, and I, have, I have a great news, actually. It has been more than one year since my last Apple purchase. Can I get an amen? Yeah, come on now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, I didn't even make that one. My wife bought it for me um, because she's an enabler, um, apparently. And uh, so... Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Macaholic, and so I wanted to share some things with you this morning. Um, this, this right here is my first Apple computer from several years ago. Um, you can see if I open it that my children liked it as much as I did, they pulled all the keys off. But, but this is my first, and it's very special uh, to me because it was really the introduction into the Mac world for me. And then shortly after that, um, I, I purchased this device. Anybody know what this is? It is broken. Thank you. Troy. We'll talk after. <clears throat> you thought you had a budget. Um, um, anyway, so uh, this is an iPhone, but it's not just any iPhone. It's an iPhone 3G, and if you're familiar with the iPhone line of products, you know that this was the second generation of iPhone, but Apple wanted to confuse everybody, so they called it 3G. Anyway, it was my first iPhone, and I, and I still have it um, because, you know, I have a problem. And then, really, the, the shining jewel of my collection is over here, and it's a little bit heavy, but I'll pick it up. This is from 1999. <laughs> this is a working G3 iMac computer. It works. I mean, it usually works, right? And it, it's pretty amazing, right? Because this is from 99, right? This is an old machine, and uh, very heavy, right? Because we didn't have LCDs yet. Uh, so, but I have... I, have, I mean, this is a great machine, really, um, and it still works, and I can sometimes check my email if I have 30 minutes to wait <clears throat> for it. But, um, but anyway, I, I share this with you because I think we have something in common. Not that we're Apple fans. Let me see how much time I have on my Apple watch. <laughs> okay, we're good. Um, not because we're Apple fans, not because we're all Macaholics, but because we all have things that we've treasured. Am I right? And these things have become, at times, treasures for me, things that I have really held in my heart deeply and held on to and desired and pursued and gone after. And, and, and I would guess that most of you have had a similar experience at some point in your life, that you've gone after something. And maybe it wasn't a thing, right? I, I can remember when I was in high school, I, I wasn't a Mac fan yet, At that time, my one true love was my 1975 Camaro. By the way, parents, if you have a high schooler, do not buy them a Camaro. (laughs) It's just not a good idea, okay? Trust me on this one, all right? But, but, but I've, I've moved through my life, and I've had different things that I've treasured and held dear to me over my life. And I bet that you're the same way. I bet that at different times in your life, there are things that you've treasured. And maybe it was a thing. Maybe it was a thing that you wanted to purchase. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a job that you really wanted to have. Maybe it was a position or a promotion or a salary range that you were just dying to go after. Or maybe maybe it was a person that you pursued with a little bit of an unhealthy intensity. And, um, and I've had that experience in my life as well. But she ended up saying yes and we've been married 12 and a half years, so it's okay. <clears throat> right? But the truth is we've all pursued these things. We've all made these things treasures. And the problem with it is, is that we think that we can have treasures and not be consumed by them. We think that we can go after these things and not let them control us. But the truth is that eventually these treasures start to gain a hold of our lives, and they enslave us and they trap us. And so this morning I thought maybe what we should do is just take a look in God's word and see if God has anything to say about treasure, and see if he maybe has some advice for us, or some wisdom for us, something, an instruction for us on treasure. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at something that Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, starting in verse 19. But before we jump into the text, I've got to give you the context, right? I've got to tell you where this fits in with the rest of the book of Matthew, where this fits in with the whole story. Because if we were to just jump in and look at Matthew six nineteen by itself, we wouldn't necessarily understand Everything that's happening here, right? It would be like by like taking your favorite story and jumping in halfway through, right? I mean, imagine your favorite movie. And what would happen if you started at the halfway mark? You'd be completely confused. You'd have no idea what was going on. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? What's happening here? And so sometimes we treat scripture like that. So let me just back up this morning and let us understand where we are. Matthew wrote this gospel. It's the story of Jesus' life, his death and resurrection. It's what happened to Jesus, who Jesus was. Now Matthew is a credible source for us because Matthew was one of the 12 apostles that followed Jesus around. Right? He was with Jesus. Jesus had called him away from being a tax collector to follow him. Matthew said yes to that and was with Jesus for his three-year ministry. So when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, part of which we're going to read this morning, Matthew was there. like He heard it word for word. And so Matthew's a great source for us to understand what's going on. And Matthew's intent in writing the Gospel of Matthew was that we would understand that Jesus was who he said he was. The foretold Messiah from the Old Testament, the one who would usher in the kingdom of God. So that's what Matthew is writing for. And he records this story where Jesus had gone up to the mountain. He'd left the crowds, the, all of the large clouds who were there to see the miracles. Who, he'd been healing people and all these things, great things had been happening. And, and Jesus withdraws with the 12 and maybe a few other followers up onto the mountain. And he gives a sermon. He goes up on the mountain and preaches. And in the sermon, he begins to describe at the first part. The sermon is divided kind of into two parts. And the first part is really, what does it look like? What does it mean? What are the characteristics of a person who is following God, who is in the kingdom of God, who is pursuing the kingdom of God? And then he switches and gives more practical examples of, so here's the character early on. And then the second half of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to talk about these are the things that people who are Pursuing the kingdom, these are the things that are people who are following God, these are the things that they do. Here's the practical examples of that, and that's where we're jumping in. So, so I want you to understand, what we're going to read today is Jesus' instructions to his followers on a practical matter of treasure. All right, that's where we are in the text. And here's what Jesus says, chapter uh, Matthew six nineteen. here's what Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the very first thing that Jesus says is, hey, if you want to be my follower, you should invest in, in treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth, right? That's the first instruction that he gives us. He just flat out says it. If you want to be my follower, pursue heavenly treasures, not earthly ones, right? Now, Jesus is God, right? And he has the authority, right, to direct us and, and give us instruction. And so Jesus could have just left it at that. Hey, do this, don't do that. Any parents in the room? You've had this conversation, Do this, don't do that. Why? Because I said so, right? I'm the parent, right? We've been having this conversation a lot in my house. I have a four-year-old. But here's what's tempting to do as a parent, right? Sometimes... We like to treat our older children the same way we treat our younger children, right? And it becomes very um, habit-forming for me to say, Wesley, go do this thing because I'm asking you to do it. You're not going to understand why because you're four. Just do what I told you to do, right? But I can't say that to my 10-year-old. Because my 10-year-old is smarter than me sometimes. (laughs) I can admit that. And she will go, yes, Dad, but... Doing it this way means this, 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 and this. And doing it this way means this, 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 and this. And so here's, here's the thing. And I'm not, giving my per, I'm not giving anybody permission to talk back or to, to disobey or to not listen, right? We have that conversation too, right? Grace, if you disagree with me, do it first and then we'll talk about it, right? So, but here's what happens, right? What I've found, what I've learned as a parent, because I have a 10-year-old who's almost 11, is that my daughter needs to understand why. Not because she's rebellious, but because she's trying to make wise decisions. She's trying to make good choices. She wants to have a good character. And if she doesn't understand why I'm asking her to do the things that I'm asking her to do, she will never grow into the adult that I want her to be. She'll never understand on her own why this is important. She'll never be able to take that from, I'm doing this because somebody told me to, to this is a really good reason to do this and I'm going to keep doing it, right? And so I give my daughter those instructions, that wisdom, that why, because I love her and I want her to be a great adult. And Jesus does the same thing for us here. He doesn't just say, do this because I told you to. He says, let me explain to you why. And the first thing he does is he appeals to our logic, right? To to the mental side of things. And he says, look, it just makes sense. You could store up treasures here on earth, but here's what's gonna happen. Moths are gonna eat your clothes. Mice are gonna eat your food if you store it long enough, right? And it's gonna break down, right? I have, I have this beautiful, wonderful iPhone 3G that doesn't work anymore. Not just because I dropped it. <laughs> but because things wear out. Things on earth wear out. How many of you have clothes from 20 years ago that you can still wear that don't have holes in them, right? You're, I mean, my, my jeans that are 20 years old, when they Fits. um I, I go out to do yard work in them right because they're all holy and nasty because things wear out on earth and jesus says look guys things on earth are going to wear out but things in heaven don't wear out and even if they don't wear out immediately somebody's going to come steal them from you things in heaven can't be stolen and so jesus appeals to our logic and says look it just makes sense right it just makes sense to do this and not this and we kind of already knew that right I mean, even before I had started talking, if I had gone through and polled you guys and I said, hey, do things on earth wear out, you would have said yes. And if I said, hey, do things in heaven wear out, you would have said no, right? We already know this, right? It's not new information for us. But Jesus reminds us the problem is that even though we know it, we don't always act on it, right? right? I mean, how many times have you gone to the store with a list of three things and come home with 20, Every time, man. Like, every time. I go in for one or two things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, but I could use this, and oh, and that looks good, and oh, and that. And and, and because I don't buy things with my head, right? And a lot of us are guilty of this, right? My wife doesn't let me go shopping anymore (laughs) for this reason. Because we tend to make decisions not with our heads, but with our hearts, I want this. I desire this. This will make me happy, right? And we believe those lies and we buy into those things. But here's what Jesus says, right? He doesn't stop at at a logic here. He doesn't stop at a mental logic. He addresses the heart issue in the next verse. And here's what he says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it's really interesting to me that what he doesn't say is where your heart is, there your treasure will be, right? You, You get the difference, right? And, and what I said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And we tend to think this is true, right? We tend to think that, well, if I just care about something, that's what I'm going to invest in, right? If I, if I think this is important, that's where I'm going to spend my time and my money. We think that we have control over our hearts. But what Jesus says is actually the opposite, that where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Not where your heart is, your treasure will follow. And that's the second thing that we need to take away this morning is that treasure doesn't follow the heart. In fact, the heart follows what we treasure. And I found this to be true. A little over um, two years ago, I bought a new iPad. By now you're saying, of course he did, right? But I bought a new iPad. And I will tell you that it was only in the last month or two that I allowed my children to touch it. Now, why is that? I I mean, it wasn't intentional. I I wasn't specifically saying this, right? I mean, I didn't go into it with this intention. In fact, when I went to go buy the thing, I thought, hey, this is gonna be really cool. We can play games together. My kids can do homework on it. It's gonna be super portable for around the house. It's gonna be a great tool for a whole family. But when I got it home, it was mine. Why? Because I had put treasure into it and my heart went to that thing instead of to my family. Our hearts follow our treasure. Our treasure does not follow our hearts. And this is incredibly important for us to understand, right? I I mean, really, this is why, as a church, we do things like Operation Christmas Child, right? Because we want our hearts to be invested in the things that God has invested in. We want our hearts to go after the things that God says are important. And so we do the things that God says are important. We invest in those things. We put our treasure there, right? That's why we do Thanksgiving baskets, It's the same thing. We want to be invested in what God has invested in, so we put our treasure there, we put our time there, we put our money there, we put our investment there so that our hearts will follow. Our hearts follow our treasure, not the other way around. And you might think, you might be tempted to think, well, I can have multiple treasures. I I mean, really, I can love more than one thing. I love more than one child. I mean, I have four of them, so that's a good thing, right? Right? And, and I love more than one person, right? So, so I, can, I can split my treasure up. I can, I can multitask, if you will, right? Moms are incredible at multitasking, amen? My wife is amazing when it comes to this, right? Because she can be hearing, it's like she has this weird sixth sense, right? That she knows what all of our children are doing in the house and making dinner and doing the laundry at the same time. And I'm like, here's my iPad, <laughs> completely focused on one thing at a time, right? But, but here's what happens, right? Multitasking doesn't mean that you're actually invested in any of those things. You're just getting them done. You're not actually putting your heart there. You're not actually invested in that thing. You don't actually care about what's happening, right? Like, basically, when my wife is multitasking our children, she's not really concerned about their spiritual, emotional, or educational development. She's just making sure they stay alive, <laughs> which I'm thankful for, But that's what's happening when we multitask, right? And we're not actually invested in something. And and, and Jesus even calls us out on this. He says no one can serve two masters. You cannot love God and the things of this world. You can't do it. It's impossible. And it's in the way that we're wired. And think about the things that you've treasured. Don't they consume you? If you're married, think about your spouse. Think about when you were first married and how difficult it was to go to work and think about anything but your spouse. Because you were consumed with that relationship. It, it bound you tightly. You, it had a grip on who you were. Because that's what treasure does. It grabs a hold of us. And it doesn't let go. And our hearts follow that thing. And this is so important for us to understand. Because what we miss. And the reason that we're so prone to follow our hearts. And the reason we're so prone to just go with, go with the flow. right? And, and try to multitask it. And try and be in, invested in everything. The reason we do this is because we've forgotten what's at stake. We've forgotten. There's a battle going on right now for your heart, happening all around us. There's a battle happening right now, being waged against your heart. He's going after you. Our enemy is going after you. Here's what Jesus said in John ten ten. He said, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy." Jesus told us this was going to happen, but we forget all the time. We, we act like it's just like, like this is a fairy tale. There is a real thief. There is a real enemy. There is a real devil who is after your heart. And his only purpose is to steal your joy away, to steal your heart away from the things that matter, to kill you, to destroy what matters to you, destroy your life. There is an enemy, the devil, who is going after you. That's why this matters. Peter said it like this. Be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You've been to the zoo and you've seen the lion, the male lion pacing up and down that cage of the big glass, this giant beast. He's after you. He wants your heart. He wants to distract you. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal things from you. He he has nothing for you but pain and misery and destruction and he is after you. But thanks be to God. The war's been won. It's kind of like this. I, I heard a theologian describe it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, the war was won. He defeated Satan and his angels once and for all. However, It's a little bit like when we won the beach at Iwo Jima. The enemy was defeated, but they didn't stop fighting. And there were all these tunnels and caves and hideouts, and and it was months and months of continued fighting as we tried to root them out of that island. Even though we had won the battle, it was over. There was still an enemy, and soldiers still died fighting to claim the rest of the island, and it's like that. Jesus has won the war, yes, But the battle rages on and you don't have a choice of whether or not you are in it. You are in a battle. The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. But praise God. Praise God. The verse doesn't stop there. Here's the rest of it. This is Jesus talking. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You have a choice to make. We have an enemy, the devil, who wants to enslave us, who wants to capture our minds, who wants to make us in bondage to the things of this world, things that don't last, things that will, that will eventually fade away. He wants us to be consumed with those things, right? Right? But we have a good shepherd who says, I have come that they may have life. Life is waiting, freedom is waiting. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could join a religion that would force you to do things. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could join a religion that would force you to give your money to him. Jesus died on the cross to set you free. The reason we give tithes, the reason we give offerings, the reason we give our time, the reason we do these things is not because we have to, not because we're earning something. It's because we are so thankful to have been set free that we can't help giving everything back to Jesus. because he's a good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He died so that you could be set free, so that you could know the life that he meant for you to have so that you could know God. And, and it's not just about going to heaven someday. It's not we don't, we don't just say, yes, God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, so yay, when I die, I get to go to heaven. It's right now. The battle is now. You are set free now to live the life that God has for you. And, and I'm not promising riches uh, of this world. I'm not promising easy life. In fact, you're coming into a battle, and it's a little bit more like the Matrix than it is a fairy tale, right? Where we're set free so that we can go set others free. But we are in the midst of a battle. And God has set us free. And so here's what you have to decide this morning. And you don't actually have a choice. To not choose is to choose. The question is, if there's a battle being waged for your heart, where are you going to put your treasure? Not where. Who are you going to invest your treasure in? Because your heart will follow. Who gets your heart this morning? Where are you going to invest it in? Where are you going to put your heart? In the things of this world that will fade away? Or in the things of heaven? The kingdom? Jesus himself? Where are you going to put your treasure this morning? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus has come. that You may have life and have it to the full. Who do you want to have your heart? God wants it. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been in the past. None of that matters. It doesn't matter who you are today. It doesn't matter what you brought in here with you. Jesus wants to set you free. He loves you so much that he died in your place, not, not just to forgive your sins, but to set you free so that you could know him, so that you could have the life that he's called you to. In, in Romans 8, or in Romans 5, 8, Jesus says, um, or Paul, rather, writes that, that while we were still sinners, while we were still waging against God, while we were still warring against him, while we were still his enemy, Christ died for you. Do you get it? This isn't a religion. There is a battle being waged for your heart and the king of kings has come down himself and paid the price to buy it all you have to do is say yes god here it is and then what jesus tells us to do is to continue investing our treasure into the things of god into the kingdom of heaven into the things that he's after so that our hearts stay there and stay free